Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. What a week it's been, and what a weekend ahead of us. Glad you're with us. Larry Smith, uh, Brad Sturdy, Mike Cagney, Patrick Quinn is on uh, audio. Man, we have got a great hour coming up. Hey, how about several members of the Illini football team joining us to talk about, uh, first off, some of the NIL stuff that they've been involved in, and as well as, um, you know, kind of what they've learned here in this offseason after the bowl loss and looking into the, the 2023 season, looking ahead. We'll get their thoughts uh, as well. And uh, Doug Altenberger, the great Doug Altenberger, joins us as well later on this hour. Hey, first off, let's talk about the, the shockwaves that that hit campus uh, this week, Brad Sturdy. Uh, Zach Perrin, uh, the, the big man from France that, you know, they worked so hard to get here. He then went and over to Sunrise Christian Academy in the fall semester. He was on campus, what, I think right about 30 days, right? And he's he's back in France now. Yeah, he's he's gone. Maybe uh, maybe you know six to eight weeks, something like that. You know, six weeks um, didn't last very long. Um, Illinois put a lot of time in him in to get him here. I mean, I know, and I know they only went to Europe a couple times uh, to watch him, but they put a lot of time in. They worked hard to get him into Sunrise. Uh, then they because he couldn't pass the the he had tr- struggle with the English part of this coming over to America. He didn't speak as uh, clear, clean English. And so they, they get him through, they get him enrolled and they're feeling pretty good about him. And they want him to kind of be a, a, a guy who lifts and gains strength because he's strength away from being really good, very talented player, just needs to get stronger to play at this level. And, uh, he didn't, he wanted to play. And so he got an opportunity to go back and play professionally and see the court right away. And that's the road he, road he took. So, um, I think it was a surprise because although they knew he was kind of struggling with not playing, I, I they didn't really know exactly what was going to happen, that he was going to leave that quickly. Well, you know, there's the disadvantages of not having somebody who can sit in your office and complain to you in English. You know, you don't, you get surprised by things like that. Um, you know, Illinois has an opportunity now to start marketing themselves. You know, you give us six weeks, we'll get you to the pros. Um, that's faster than Coach Cal can do it. So, you know, there, there's always a silver lining on everything. But, you know, I was really uh, disappointed because watching his film, I thought he was a good player. And I thought with the development of the Illini staff and with Coach Fletch, I think within two years on the court, he would have been quite a weapon that would have been ready for NBA. And uh, he's taken a different path. Probably would be fantastic for him. Wish him all the luck in the world, but I'd have loved to have seen him play in the orange and blue a little more. So Brad, I would guess now that means that a, a big man in the class of 2023 uh, through the, through the transfer portal is probably now becomes priority number one for Underwood and staff. Yeah. I, I think they want to add another piece to the front court. Obviously a lot of it depends on, you know, what a guy like Coleman Hawkins does too. Um, but they have Dane danger back at the five spot. Who's obviously become a really good player. And they, so they're going to need to add another piece with size. They bring in a really talented freshman, Monty Hansberry, to play probably the power forward spot as well. So I think size is definitely something you're looking for. And I think there's going to be some guys available that they're going to have connections to and be able to uh, bring in the portal. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting offseason because, you know, you, you, you look at maybe needs for a veteran point guard. Um, you look at uh, a big for the rotation. 
um, and even a, a three-point shooting wing. So um, this, this transfer portal has got to make uh, the college coaches' jobs feel like it's 24-7 because you've got to try to keep up with who you might want, how they're going to fit with the team um, from a basketball standpoint, and then you have to scrape around and try to figure out from a personality and character standpoint, do they fit? So I'm, I'll take the $4 million. I don't know if I want to work that hard for it, though. <laughs> So, Perrin, the big story uh, around the, the Atlanta basketball program, but the bigger story across the country, of course, was the tragedy Monday night and the shooting on the campus of Michigan State University. Um, three uh, lives lost as we uh, record this segment, several in the hospital. Um, the shooter, again, turning the gun on himself, um, 43 years old, and, and the investigation continues there. Um, you know, from a sports perspective, uh, you know, games almost immediately within hours of this happening, um, athletic events were canceled during the week, including Michigan State hosting Minnesota in men's basketball Wednesday night. Um, let's be honest, it was it was the right thing to do because at that point, uh, we already knew that at least one life had been lost. That was a, the proper uh, move to make if you're uh, Michigan State officials. No question. I mean, there, there are bigger things. We like to talk about sports, but there are things that are bigger than sports um, out there, and this is one of them. And the, the, for me, this is really, you know, having children in college, um, this is one of those things that, that's tough. You know, it's tough to see this happen and watch this. And I, I can't imagine, you know, every, you know, being a you know parent and being or being a person there dealing with this it's got to be very scary um it's something you hope you never have to experience and uh especially in this and this almost sounds terrible but for me it's even crazier because there's really no motive as of i mean they can't come up with motive it's just random and, and i i don't know just i don't get it yeah i i can i can barely imagine what it's like with two boys still in college as you look at, um, you know, knowing that that people have passed away, and then not knowing, you know, if you don't know where your child is, um, and we as a family had to live through one of our sons being in a school with an active shooter, and um, that was, quite frankly, was terrifying, um, uh, hard to even want to think about it, and and so ultimately you just, uh, you know, want to, you know positive thoughts out to the folks affected at Michigan State and hope that at some point there's a long-term solution that can try to minimize this behavior. Yeah. First, as you said, we all agree in agreement with that, our, our thoughts and prayers to the entire Michigan State community um, and those affected uh, more directly than others. Um, before we get to a, a break, another cancellation for totally different reasons. Um, what a crazy situation at New Mexico State. Um, allegations of hazing and sexual harassment on the men's basketball team. So they have shut down the program for the moment. The new head coach in his first year, he's been fired. The Western Athletic Conference forfeiting the rest of their games. Um, and the investigation is, is continuing. What a mess down in New Mexico at, uh, for the Aggies program. Yeah, it's really wild. I mean, I, you know, that's a, that's a program that's had some really good coaches over the years. Um, right now you, you have Chris Jans who just went to Mississippi state. Right. And so you go back to, you know, uh, Lou Henson, right. So years and, and so they've had some really good success. And so it's, it's, to me, it's just kind of crazy that it's come to this where you literally have to cancel the season and the guy they hired, um, Greg, he's not, he's got a good reputation. Well, he, he had a good reputation, um, before this. So this is not, um, this is really shocking to see. 
Yeah, and and you know to have the coach refuse to cooperate in the investigation, um, you know, is an interesting thing. Obviously, you know, attorneys could talk more detail about that, but um, it's just a, a, you know, sometimes even silence is condoning, and it seems like there's a lot of uh, uh, things that are going to have to be unwound to try to understand what's going on, so that you can learn some lessons from this and try to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, great yeah. point. Uh, well, stay with us. We've got much more to come. Just getting started here on the Atlanta Guys Sports Spectacular. We've got, uh, again, uh, several, count them, six, seven. You got to look here. They're big guys here in the state of art uh, orange room over here at our state of the art studios for the Atlanta Guys. Uh, football players in the Atlanta team, uh, including Johnny Newton, the All American. When did he know he was going to return? Was it down in Tampa at the bowl game or sometime after that? Uh, you have questions, we get answers. This is Sports Spectacular all along the Atlanta Guys Radio Network. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. This segment presented by Busey Bank. We often get asked, what is NIL and what do players do to receive money for their time and their name and image? Illini Guardians is a collective that makes arrangements for student-athletes to perform worthwhile acts in the community under the NIL name image likeness. And last fall, several Illini football players stepped up and stepped out to spearhead a food drive. Uh, Johnny Newton, Zy Chrysler, and Jordan Slaughter all among that group and now uh, that it's the offseason, uh, we wanted to come on the show and take some time to talk with us and also IlliniGuys.com football analyst and writer Matt Stevens. First off, guys, welcome to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Glad you're here with us. Um, just refresh everyone again, kind of uh, what you guys did and and um, and how it uh, how it all came together. Uh, so basically, we were in uh, fall camp about a week. Halfway through, uh, we had a meeting uh, with the Bauer family. We met the... Don and her husband, and they basically wanted to start a food drive. And she knew that, um, you know, everything started up front with the O-line and D-line. So she picked nine of us. And then our goal was basically we did with uh, St. Matthew's School, we did a food drive with the uh, fifth through eighth grade, raising non-perishable items for their food bank, Eastern Illinois. You guys get a lot of, you know, NIL activities and things like that. What This has to mean, like, even a little more, though, to be able to do something that not only, yeah, you get the NIL, but you're getting to give back to the community. It's got to feel really good for you guys. Yeah, for sure. Not only, like, being able to spend time with the kids, like, we, we're able to, like, change people's lives. A lot of people don't have that, you know, pleasure of just, like, going to buy groceries or, like, having a big Thanksgiving dinner because like they don't have that much money. So like us raising food for them, like knowing that we can help them out and like people within our community, it's just like, it's touching really. Was it surprising to you guys to see how your actions could motivate a community to come out and help? Um, I think so because like we're always in the starlight. Everybody knows who we are. We walk around in the community. So when they see us wanting to do something good, they want to help out with that. So I think it was a good thing morally for people to do because they saw us doing that and they know like 
the time restraints that we have, and we're putting that time aside we have to help out for a good cause. From the NIL perspective, guys, how important was it for you guys to do something just as a group, like more than just have Johnny out there or, or and having him do his own thing? It seems like you guys have done a lot of NIL opportunities where it's been four, five, six, seven, maybe a dozen of you guys together um, doing something. It's really cool, honestly. Like a lot of the kids look up to a lot of the football players on the team. So like rather than just having one of us, like they can have multiple people that they look up to, like their idols, role models in life. Like it makes it easier for us, honestly. Like it's less, less stress. Like we have our brothers with us. So we're just enjoying the whole thing. It's better when it's uh, like a group of us. It's like when like the group, a whole bunch of group of us do one thing, just sit being by ourselves. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Everybody, a group is better doing it with a group. Yeah, yeah. I know talking to the guys um, last fall when you guys, you know, first did this and we got their their impression. I think it was Michigan State week. So like early November, um, you know, they talked about in terms of, again, legacy. And, and you know, you guys are are young, probably haven't thought about, um, you know, the impact this is going to have on the program, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later. Uh, where young people now are going to think of uh, Illini football players maybe in a different light. Um, but have have you guys discussed that in terms of you're laying the groundwork, not just with success on the field, but in terms of um, in a community sense as well? Uh, we never talked about that, like, to that extent. But, like, we know we're, like, the first wave of, like, kids that are getting, like, this NIL deal able to go out in the community. So, like, it would be crazy for us, like, to come back for a reunion and, those kids who are helping out in the community now they're on the football team giving back. So like, those are the kind of things that I like think of a lot, like really just like the circle of life. Like we're helping those kids and then eventually they'll be on the football team, helping little kids in the community. I got to ask you guys are all big guys. Do you look at those little kids and wonder like, like, were you ever that small? <laughs> I mean, you gotta, I mean, sir, I mean, it's, it's gotta be a little, a little crazy, right? Yeah, at some point. Yeah, it's crazy for sure. <laughs> but you get so you see these kids, and you kind of you do you get to know any of them? Any of them you kind of connect with, and you can see this, and you maybe have a um a longer relationship with, and may, maybe as as time goes on. Well, definitely. I think like um as we went to the school, we went there multiple times. I think some kids just stand out to you; they kind of stick around to you. And it kind of turns into like this big brother role for you, even though you're not actually ready to him. So it's just someone that they look up to that they know like is doing good for their community. Yeah. When you guys were growing up, were there people who, you know, made a difference uh, like you guys are doing for this younger generation? Do you have anyone that, that, that did the same type of thing for you to provide a, a role model coming in and helping out like that? Oh, I had somebody like that, like my grandpa, he helped me out like that. Like my grandpa, he he do a lot of stuff in the community and that's what kind of feed off to what I do now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I could say family members from my standpoint, but like as to a college football player, like or NFL football player coming back, like I didn't have any of that growing up. So like, that's why I like, I want to do it for the kids because it's something that I never had and like, I know how touching it would have been for me to see like one of those top college players or NFL players like come and chill with us. So like every time I go to the kids, like I know my teammates feel like this as well. Like it's just touching for us. Like it's, it's a different feeling. 
Uh, most definitely. Family, like, uh, my family's always been big in our community. And, like, growing up in East St. Louis, um, Darius Miles, I didn't kind of really know him until I got older, but hearing about some of the stuff he did once he came back, how he helped the community really wanted uh, me to, you know, once I got to live love in my life, want to help give back to my community. Before we run out of time, I want to go back to Tampa. I want to go back to the bowl game. Um, I remember team picture day and I talked specifically, I, this question's for Johnny. I remember talking to you. I got to know, did you know what you were going to do or did you think there was a possibility that that game in Tampa was going to be your last one? Cause we all knew you had a party section in Tampa, like in that stadium already with about a hundred people. Did you yeah. kind of know what your future was at that? Like when we were, you were talking with us at the, at the pirate ship or did you just kind of still treating that like it was your last game? Uh, also, honestly, I was treating it like it was my last game. Like if you could ask any of my teammates, like I told them, like, this could be my last time playing. Like I didn't tell the public that of course, but like I told like all of my teammates, this could be like, our last ride together because I honestly had no plans of coming back for another year. But I mean, things change. And like, like I said, in a recent interview, like I want to be a first round draft pick top 10. So that's what I'm coming back for. That's good. Cause I, I didn't want you to like be a psychopath or anything. Cause I walked away from the pirate ship going, that's it. He's, he's, this is it. <laughs> he's done. This, yeah. He's going to play one more in Tampa and he's done. Yeah, but for, for the rest of for the other two guys, uh, you know, Jordan and Zai, you guys had a really good run last year kind of doing the the, the tandem thing at, at guard and having like a team effort kind of going with that. Did you guys did you guys take anything from that season that you guys could, you know, you know, essentially it was almost like a tag team action between you two. And it seemed like you guys grew as 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 brothers and had a bond. Yeah, that's that one two punch combo a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was definitely a good time. Like this past season was like really good, even though we had our ups and downs as a team. But I feel like, you know, the, like the thing me and Zai had was like kind of unbreakable. Like we kind of knew it with each other. We we always went to each other when we needed help. So that was a big thing. You know, a lot of people couldn't really do that. And we were able to help each other in that department. Talking here on the Atlanta Guys Sports Spectacular with Jordan Slaughter, Zai Chrysler, uh, also Johnny Newton and Bryce Barnes who joined us as well. Uh, guys, let's let's talk about this upcoming season right now. You've had some time to reflect um, since the bowl game. What what's your takeaway from 2022, and what are you doing differently looking into 2023? Bryce, let's start with you. Sorry, guys. Um, I was late coming in late, but uh, most something I'm looking forward to uh, for the 2023 season is just. Um, just to get back out there with the guys and go to work. Uh, we know that last season um, didn't end the way we wanted it to. And uh, I think that uh, everybody is willing and, and is going to put in more work than we did last year to achieve the goals that we want to achieve. Um, so I'm excited to get back out there. I'm excited to work. And I know the rest of the guys are too. As you guys, do you think that when you look back at 2022, it, you ended, you know, you had such a great run, and it seemed like you were so close in the games you lost. Even, you know, you almost feel like you could have been, you know, uh, eleven and one or ten and two or something like that, or maybe even twelve and zero for that matter. You had a chance to win every game you played. Does that kind of give you like impetus looking in this year? Like we're just we're that close to getting where we want to get to. Yeah, for sure. Like I feel like we left a lot on on the field last year couple of games we lost by like you said one score I know coming into this year like 
we know what mistakes we made, the penalties we made. So I honestly felt like we should have been undefeated last year. And those are the expectations coming into this year. Like always, like we always have, like hold each other to the highest expectations. Like, of course, everybody wants to go to a national championship. Well, I will admit that you did have the beating the striped jerseys up in Ann Arbor <laughs> made it a lot tougher because you had to beat yeah. those guys too. So that makes it really hard. I so Not you know, for I'll sure. forgive you for that one. So <laughs> no, for sure. I agree. <laughs> so uh and and welcome to Keith Randolph uh, also here. Um one of the questions I wanted to ask is is we pick up previews, you know, now and you see people writing and they're writing about the Illini. What is it going to be like? And Keith, I'll kind of put you on the spot. What's it going to be like to be the hunted and be the people with the targets on your back as opposed to the people that everybody said, yeah, we'll just beat them. Is that going to be different? Um, I don't think so. Uh, since Coach B got uh, – since the new staff came in, Coach B has been, you know, basically telling us and warning us how – in the past that we've been we've been the hunted and uh I mean in the past like nobody's really cared about us, you know, like they just, you know, check a W next to, you know, the block eye on the schedule. But now like we're gonna start being the hunted. People are gonna have to start, you know, watching out for us and and people we're about to start getting uh people's best games, you know, to uh you know, when they come and play us. And uh, honestly I just that it's it's exciting, you know. Um Obviously, as an athlete, as a competitor, you want to get everybody's best game. You want to play the best in the country. So I'm just excited for the opportunity. Quick question for Johnny. I, I didn't really get a chance to ask you in Tampa, but how's it being a dad? How's how? Give me a give me a <laughs> uh, give me a summary on how being a dad's kind of changed your life. Uh, I mean, I think it changed my life for it better. Like you got to like mature overnight being a dad. Uh, you lose a lot of sleep, but I think the purpose is bigger at that point. Like, you know, you have to provide for somebody now, like you got a family to provide for. So I think things are more serious from like being a dad at that point. Like I, I can't joke around. Like I still joke around a lot, but like, I know that I have to be serious because like, I don't want to fall short. So if I, if I fall short for myself, I feel like I'm falling short for my family. Lighter question between you and Keith, who's going to get agent zero? Because that was the that was the talk last last fall camp is somebody's <laughs> going to wear zero and neither one of you did. So who, who gets the jersey number this year? I think Bryce gets it. No, 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 no. that's Keith. No, I thought about it. I had the number for about two weeks. Yeah, it was and, a big uh, zero. I liked it. Yeah. The thing is, so uh, my coach called me and asked me if I wanted zero – and me and Johnny argued about it for like an hour. And then we did wrap up with scissors. I won the number zero or whatever. And this was back, this is like basically, this is about a year ago. And uh, I did my first mat drill with the number zero against Pearl. And um, he beat me. And I, and I had the number zero. And like, I don't have to say that I'm superstitious, but like, I'm kind of like this crazy routine guy. And after he beat me, I thought like, damn, is it the number? Like, is it, it? So I just started overthinking everything, and I was all like, man, well, it can happen. So I just, I just turned the number <laughs> in and got 88 back. It just, you know, it's been with me so long, and it's been, you know, it's only been doing me right. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with it for the last season. Keith could keep number zero at this point. 
on trade market number four. <laughs> yeah, I wanted it, but at this point, I feel like last season I had a breakout season with number four. So at this point, like that's what everybody knows me from. So I just got to stick with it. We're talking with several members of the Illini football team here on this segment presented by Busey Bank. More with the fellas after this timeout here on the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868 proud to be the official bank of the fighting Illini member FDIC if you served in the Marine Corps by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune if you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987 you probably have a lot of questions we have some answers you could be entitled to compensation billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800 254 3218 That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Let's get back to our chat right now with Illini football players Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, Bryce Barnes, Julian Pearl, Zy Chrysler, and Jordan Slaughter all talking here with uh, the fellows here on the Illini guys. And again, they were part of this uh, NIL um, uh, deal where they were uh, went out this fall and um, spearheaded a, a food drive to uh, help uh, local residents here in the Champaign-Urbana area. Uh, that was, again, uh, put on by the Illini Guardians, the great NIL collective. If you want to donate to the Guardians, very simple. Go to their website, IlliniGuardians.com, and make your contribution to help out Illinois student-athletes. Now that we got Julian Pearl on, the obvious question, Julian, uh, no more basketball, right? We're not, we're not doing that anymore, right? Because we don't need you wearing the club on the thumb like you were last year. <laughs> yeah, I decided to, you know, do the whole spring ball this year, you know, see how that goes, where that takes me. But I'm definitely retired from basketball, 100%. <laughs> and who thought you would be the guy who retired Keith Randolph zero? That, that's a story nobody knows about. You know, he did retire at zero. I respect <laughs> you. When you look at this season, you guys have some new guys and um, you have some obviously some holes to fill. And, and you know, we can, any of you can take this, but you have a new quarterback, you're going to have a new running back, you got a few new guys in the secondary because obviously you lost some good players, but. You, you have a lot of your line back and, and a lot of the, the guys, you know, in the trenches here. So how does that give you confidence maybe going into next year, even with some new guys at some skill positions? Uh, just experience, honestly. Because uh, having that because I feel like, um, you know, up front, that takes a lot of time and experience to be able to do that, play, like, and play, like, a lot of snaps. 
So um, just to have that experience back up front on the D line and O line is going to help us a lot. And uh, you know, people a lot of people think you know, oh, we lost Spoon, we lost Sydney, Quan, Kendall, but we got some guys who can just fight out just ball. So like when people say like holes to fill or you know question marks in those areas, uh, I'm not really uh, like I'm not worried about that at all because we got some young guys and they're they're ready to sh- shock the world. So. So in the off off season here, you guys have um, opportunities, you know, to to work out, work on your game, work on your physical uh, <clears throat> attributes. So, what type of goals do you guys have this year? And do you guys work as a group on those, or is it individual or a mix? Uh, I think it's just looking at and talking to our coaches every day, looking at our areas of improvement from watching the film from last year, doing self studies. Self, self scouts and just learning from our mistakes. Like that's the biggest thing that we learned over the season. We had to learn from our mistakes each week. And I think that doing it in the spring now that we won't like make those same mistakes going into the season next year. I've got a question for you guys. And, uh, you know, we haven't, have we heard from Julian yet. I want to get Julian in here and make sure that a couple of guys that weren't here at the very start. Um, how is coach Bielema different now than, than two years ago when he first came in and took over the program? I would definitely I think he's been the same person through and through, honestly. I just got to know him a little better. Uh, he's definitely one of the most consistent people I know. But uh, just through this last year, I would say uh, I saw a different, like saw him through a different light with me, like potentially like transitioning and just seeing him for like what he can do. He has a lot of pull. I would say he's just a great coach, great, great player coach. We were just talking about this earlier, me and a couple other guys, but uh, I would just say, yeah, really been consistent since I've met him. I would just say he's like, he's really in tune to what's going on. Like, like at the same time, like, I don't know how to explain it really, but just I dealt with like a hamstring thing a little bit ago. And uh, like, he comes up to me in mad drills and he's like, how's the hammies and stuff like that. Like, or like we just had a lot of meetings over these last two months, just about like what I'm going to do. And he's just been like completely honest with me. And I feel like throughout this journey, like, it's been brutally honest, and I appreciate that coming from a coach, like especially. Heath, would you say the same thing? What What's your takeaway? Uh, two years ago, Bielema and, and Bielema 2023. Yeah, the same as Pearl said, basically. Uh, he's been the same person, very consistent, um, great players, coach. He's a great, great person overall, and uh, he just he, – he knows his stuff, so – yeah, I feel like he just understands what us players are going through. You know, he played uh, at the University of Iowa, um, so he understands where we come from and and how we work. So he, uh, you know, that relationship's always uh, going to be there, and it's and it's tighter because he understands what we're going through. So I have to ask one thing because I know some, you know, a lot of you guys are on defense, and I mean, how are you? How much are you looking forward to that Purdue game next year? Um, going against your old guys, you know, guys that were in the trenches with you. How does that, how does, how are you looking forward to that game in the fall? I'm not worried about that game. Neither am I. <laughs> uh, I'll be happy to see our coaches, honestly, but like, not worried about Purdue personally. We just like take it week by week until we get to Purdue. I mean, we got Toledo week one. They just won the MAC championship. So, like, I think we, we can't like overlook any team. Of course, like everybody, I think that we're thinking like Purdue's our arch nemesis now. But like, honestly, we're just happy for our coaches. I mean, everybody wants to move up in the row. Like, we want to go to the NFL. 
they want to be head coaches one day. So, like, honestly, it's all, like, love for our coaches. And whenever that week comes, we'll be ready for them. To that point, though, is there a different vibe with Coach Henry than there is with Coach Walters? I mean, is are, you, are all you guys going to get to talk like Coach Walt, like Coach Henry's DBs got to talk last year on the field, off the field, all that? I mean, is is there a different vibe with 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 Coach Henry and and how you guys approach how you guys approach things from day one? I honestly, feel like it's the same vibe with Coach Henry. Uh, he was always with Coach Walt, like just like soaking in knowledge from him. I mean, personality wise, they both, I feel like they're both the same, pretty, two pretty cool guys. Like, I feel like there's no fall off with Coach Henry from Coach Walt. And I feel like Coach Henry did a good job this year. I want to get a question in uh, before we let you go. I know we're getting short on time here, just a little bit. Um, I want to hear from each one of you. Uh, so you can't hide in the back of the room uh, mm-hmm. because this, this is a, our final question. Um, what's the one thing you, are are committed to doing here between now February and and August um, to make yourself better and make the team better. And Bryce, let's start with you. So honestly, just I recently had shoulder surgery. I don't know if that's out or not, but um, just getting my body back to back to being normal and back to getting healthy, um, studying, uh, learning, learning new things from, you know, the guys in front of me, Johnny and Keith, uh, two great guys to learn from. Um, So just, Extending the knowledge or extending my knowledge of the game, um, building my body up and then getting ready for the season. You know, we got a long time until it comes, but it's going to come fast. So just just doing those things, put myself in the best position um, to be ready and to have a great season. Jordan, how about you? Uh, I think it's just holding myself accountable to my teammates, my brothers. You know, accountability is a big thing that we see in the locker room. And another thing is also just being like a textbook for the younger guys. Just uh, trying to set an example so that, you know, like when Pearl and I leave and Isaiah, when we're done here, they can just keep on moving like nothing's changed. Johnny? It's been a great leader to, like, the younger guys coming in the building or just, like, anybody that's younger than me or for all of my teammates, honestly, being a great leader. Like, I know a lot of people, like, the younger guys probably look up to me, probably all of us older guys, like, looking for a perfect example of what to do what not to do. So like me just being a great leader on and off the field, showing them the rights and wrongs of life, school, regular school, football, just being a great leader. I feel like that'd be the, the, the biggest aspect this year. Cool. Uh, Julian, go next. Oh uh, yeah. Just like what John was saying, really just really stepping into a leadership role and being a great example for the young guys and Personally, I would say I don't want to leave anything on the table this year. I felt like last year I left a lot on the table, and I'm just back to get it all this year and uh, leave no doubt this year. Just improve what some things I didn't, you know, didn't have last year and just come keep taking stuff from the older guys. I mean, I ain't, I'm kind of younger, but, you know what I'm saying, take some stuff from the older guy. Keep, keep it going. <laughs> all right, Keith, we'll let you close it out. Yeah, uh, just to step into that leader role and just to do the right things, uh, try to help lead the team to, uh, you know, success and be more consistent and have better discipline because, you know, it's that's it's it's it can get tough sometimes. And also, like what Pearl said, to, to leave nothing on the table, you know, uh, after last season and just seeing everything unfold, like I was I was pissed off. So. I'm just I'm just coming back for, you know, I'm just I'm just coming for everything that I think that is mine and 
what I deserve, and you know, it's time to earn some respect around this mug. <laughs> hey, we hear that. Hey, guys, listen, this has been uh, awesome. First off, congratulations on the stuff you guys did uh, with the food drive and helping people in the community. Um, and, uh, you know, again, obviously for yourselves, taking advantage of the NIL opportunity for that. Um, you know, good luck here in the off season. We look forward to talking to you guys here at spring. And, uh, yeah, hey, look, you ever want to come and just and just hang out? On, on the sports spectacular, you, you got a seat. We got we got a mic for you. Just come and do that. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we appreciate it. Jordan Slaughter, Bryce Barnes, Johnny Newton, Zai Chrysler, Keith Randolph, and Julian Pearl uh here again with the fighting Illini getting ready uh for another 2023 season. Great strides they made from year one to year two under Brett Bielema. Looking for more big things to come as well as uh as they continue at uh with the fighting Illini and more ranked seasons more ranked weeks and bowl games and everything coming up it's been a while since we've seen that out of champagne and we love seeing that here every fall with the fighting illini this newsmaker segment presented by Busey bank we've got more coming up after this a tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making at Busey bank we're committed to building relationships that span generations wherever your journey in life leads you we are with you along the way creating a legacy for you and your family Busey bank building business growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. Hi, this is Larry Smith, proud native of Central Illinois. It's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades. And as a lifelong Illini fan, it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. My friends and I put this together with one goal in mind, to have the best Illini-centric website around. Great features, podcasts, insider stuff. I know a little something about telling athletes stories, and these guys know a lot about the Illini. It's a perfect match. Come over and check it out. IlliniGuys.com. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022 and right now you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day plus get free professional installation from a licensed technician protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day call right now for your free home security consultation 800-613-8053-800-613-8053 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Sports Spectacular continues here. Larry, Mike, and Brad, and joined by a friend of the show who has been on before and glad to have back Doug Altenberger, the Illini great, and also does color commentary on the Illini Radio Busey Network. Hey, Doug, good to see you. 
Yeah, good. Uh, good to be with you guys. Good to be back. And uh, it's fun, always fun to talk about Illini basketball. Yeah, that's right. Even in a season like this where here's the thing. Um, we all spend every week trying to figure out this team. I mean, we think the potential is unbelievable. Uh, despite the ups and downs, we still think this is a team that could make some noise in March. Um, help us figure out the Illini. Why do they look like uh, Final Four contenders, national title contenders on one night, and then like they're still trying to figure out uh, how to play basketball? Uh, that's bad. Uh, like, like not quite as good uh, the next night. <laughs> well, I think uh, when you when you get into conference play, um, you know there's there's a lot of scouting that goes on. Um, you know, guys know. Um, you know, they, they know, they know your team. Well, I mean, the players, you know, they, of course this team's a little bit younger and we've got some newer team, newer guys on the team, but um, you know, they, they know what to take away from us. And right now we're just, we're not shooting the basketball. Uh, well, I mean, we're shooting, you know, somewhere in the 20% uh, range behind that three point line. Now we've had a few games in the conference where we've, we've shot the ball a little better, but we're struggling. Uh, and we're missing and, and guys are, you know, they're like, Hey, listen, we're going to give you those shots behind that three point line. And until you make them and uh, you know, some of them are uncontested. Um, and so I think that's a real uh, issue um, right now um, because that puts pressure uh, on all areas of your, uh, of, of, of the game. You know, it, it affects you defensively, offensively, you know, um, you're trying to get the ball. I mean, we're scoring in the paint, uh, and we've been we've been really good at that. Um, and Dane's been awesome in that area. And Shannon, obviously, is, you know, he gets to the bucket. The rest of the guys are really doing a good job there. But, um, you know, that's 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 a problem on offense. Now, defense, um, at times we, we, we look good. Um, but after we've noticed the last few games with Indiana and Penn State, um, you know, we've had a hard time stopping their, their go-to guy. Um, and that goes down to somebody stepping up defensively um, and, and, and taking, taking that guy and shutting him down. So that's, that's a concern because uh, we've done pretty well defensively. I thought this team was, that was one of their strengths, um, but we've been burned lately. Um, and, you know, maybe, um, you know, we'll learn from that. Um, so, I think um, the other last thing I would say, you know, we're talking about some other things too, but one thing I would also say is one of the problems that we had is we got into the season with one type of offense and one type of defense, and we switched in the middle of the season, and that's hard. Um, and we didn't switch right away. We switched towards December, end of December. So this team is running a new offense, and guess what? They're running a new defense. Now, defensively, um, they struggle against Penn State because some guys were switching um, and they got away from that. They did some switching um, in some games before that. So you can't switch on, you know, against Penn State. I mean, you can't have Dane guarding uh, a guard, which was happening. I mean, he got abused um, by Pickett. So, you know, you just can't do that. You, you got to stick with your man. Uh, I know, you know, the NBA, they switch a lot, but we're, we're you know, this team isn't, you know, uh, you know, no offense to these guys, but uh, I don't see anybody, you know, being a first rounder on this team right now. Not, they haven't played well. Hawkins has played hard. He's done a lot of good things, but, you know, he's not shot the ball well uh, and has, has, uh, he's turned the ball over a few times. So, you know, it's a, 
you know, those, those are struggles. And so Brad's trying to work through all that. Um, they've done a pretty good job. They've hung in there. Um, I agree with you guys in the sense that, Hey, listen, if they can get their act together, um, you know, this team, you know, if they can start playing like they did in November and early December and turn it around, I agree with you guys. I mean, they could get a good run. You know, the big 10 has been a big struggle because all, there's so many good teams. I don't think there's any great teams in the big 10, but there there's, you know, there's no, no question that there's a log jam and, you know, I think even Purdue's stubbed their toe here the last few weeks. Um, you know, people have figured out how to put a little more pressure on them and not allow Edie to get the ball where he likes it down down low. So, Doug, you know, you had some of the uh, – I mean, you, your shooting percentage from behind the three-point arc was really good. Um, when you ran into a time where you were on a rough spot, like, you know, Epps is on right now, what did you do as a player – to kind of get the stroke back uh, on your shot? Well, I, you know, um, there's the old, you know, the old saying, you know, shooters keep shooting. I think for, I think one of the things um, I've, I've noticed over this year, particularly with these guys um, in the shoot arounds, uh, you know, before the game, they, they, they're very relaxed. You know, you could see them, you know, they'll make 10 or 15 in a row. So when it gets to the game part, you know, uh, maybe they're putting a little bit of pressure on each, uh, pressure on themselves. Um, with him, I, I would say, hey, listen, buddy, you know, if you're wide open, don't hesitate. We want you to shoot that um, and, you know, keep practicing. You know, is there a fundamental issue with this jump shot? Um, you know, is there, are there areas where, you know, he's, he's not releasing it properly or getting enough uh, rotation. Uh, there's little things here and there that, you know, he might need to work on, but, you know, right now you're in the season and you're in the battle. So I don't know if you really want to deal with that. It's like trying to change someone's golf swing in the middle of an 18 hole golf, you know, in your plan. So it's better to, to go, but practice, practice, practice is really important. Um, and then, you know, uh, I, I think also, from a psychological perspective, you know, you've got to be able to mentally say, okay, listen, you know, I'm going to see that ball go in the hole. You know, those are little things, little games that you play um, as a player. Um, And if you, if you miss one, you know, Hey, I'm going to make that next one for sure. If I miss a third one, I know I'm going to make it. So it's just sort of playing tricks with your brain a little bit and uh, you know, and, and trying to figure out to get a little, rhythm a lot of times what guys will do is if if they get to their if they can get to fouled and get to the free throw line make a couple free throws uh believe it or not that for some reason that helps you look on that ball going in the net and it gives you a good feeling but you know i i you know at times i'd struggled a little bit with my jump shot you know there'd be a game or two or whatever where you go a little bit of a drought um, but then, you know, it'd be like a few games later, you know, I'd make like five in a row, six in a row or whatever, and it'll all average out here. Um, you know, we're, we're past middle of the season and they're still struggling with three point shot. Um, and you know, it's, it's something that, you know, they're all good shooters. Um, it's something that, you know, it's just not clicking. Um, I think part of it again is teams are, are, defending them in a certain way and um, making them uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, the other thing problem is, is when, when you shoot a quick shot, a three pointer, especially on the road and you don't make it, um, it usually doesn't, uh, 
on the other end, the other team gets that quick rebound and they're off to the races and they're coming down and you're, 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 you're backpedaling and you're playing defense, uh, you know, passively and you're trying to chase the ball now. So, you know, it's a, it's a trick bag a little bit. Um, you know, so it's, uh, and I think that's hurt them a little bit because that's hurt them, uh, on, on the road. Um, sometimes when they shoot those quick threes. So, you know, Brad's given them pretty much a, a you know, the green light to, to shoot. And, and, and from that perspective, you know, he hasn't been like pulling guys for bad shots or whatever, or quick shots. So, you know, it's, uh, I think again, going back to the offense, I think they're still getting comfortable with the new, uh, I think they ran the, you know, the five out all summer and they came in and they played well. And then all of a sudden it just hit the skids there in December. So the new offense, I think they're still working their way through that. Maybe, you know, here in the next week or so, or by March, you know, they'll have that figured out. Got about a minute left here. I want to talk about uh, Indiana, 11 o'clock uh, tip off on ESPN Saturday. The Hoosiers playing really well, just got knocked off a couple of nights ago um, against Northwestern. But again, another crucial game, Illinois still very much in the hunt to get that double buy in the tournament. Well, in Indiana, that's it's going to be a tough game for them. Uh, Indiana's probably playing as well as anybody in the country. You know, they lost to uh, North Northwestern. Um, Northwestern, I, I, they've been playing well all year. Um, just really haven't had a lot, of, gotten a lot of respect nationally. But um, living up here in Chicago, I've, I've seen them play a, a bunch on TV, and they're, they're playing well. Um, Indiana is really playing well. We're going to have to have uh, a clean game, no turnovers. We're going to have to hit down some. We have knocked down some shots from the perimeter. They're usually very, very good defensively, um, and you know we've got to do a better job in the paint area than we did the first time. That's for sure. Um, so you know we've got to play with a little bit more physical presence against Indiana without fouling, um, and we need our wings um, to, to to play um, better, uh, much better than against Penn State, and and I think. You know, uh, that's our strength. You know, we got length. Those guys can be disruptors, and and they need to play well. Um, we got to take a little pressure off the young guys, the freshmen. Um, they've played very, very well, but I think they're starting to hit that wall, we call, uh, especially the young guys, and they're starting to slow down. And I think that's one reason why Epps hasn't shot the ball, you know, as well the last few games um, or a few weeks. Uh, it takes a lot out of you traveling, the games you play, the intensity. Uh, it's quite a grind. You get in the middle of the Big Ten. And Epps playing, like you said, like, you know, 30 minutes a game uh, over the past, uh, you know, month or so. And a tough stretch coming up with the Minnesota makeup on Monday. Uh, a lot of games on, uh, uh, coming up. Hey, we're coming up against a break here, top of the hour. Doug Altenberger, always good to talk with you. Good to hear you as well on radio. And we look forward to connecting soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Great to talk to you. Go Illini. Go Illini. ILL. Uh, <laughs> we will uh, talk with Doug again uh, here on the Sports Spectacular. Stay with us, quick timeout, and uh, much more here along the Illini Guys Radio Network. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. 
You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Larry, Mike, and Brad continue here with you. Um, hey, big news in college basketball just a couple of days ago. Chris Beard, the uh, outstanding Texas basketball coach, the whole domestic situation, fired as a result from his job. It turns out, guys, those felony charges are dropped. How soon do we see Chris Beard back on a on a sideline? Um, I think he'll be hired in this spring at some point when they have an opening at some some. I, I don't know if he'll go to us. I don't know if he'll have to go. A lot of these guys might have to rehab themselves either with a year at ESPN or or, or somewhere or and then back to or maybe a year at a small or a couple years at a smaller school. I don't think that's going to happen with him. He's he's been successful enough. I think some high major is going to fire their coach and hire him. Yeah, and and I, I do think, you know, it has worked fantastic for Coach Pearl. You know, you get all the ESPN talking heads, the, you know, ooh and ah, the coach. Um, and it's it's fantastic, you know, to help you rehabilitate your image. Uh, but but if he has an opportunity to go out and coach, and he seems to be, from all reports, a very competitive individual, um, I'm not certain that a, that a commentating job will be enough for a guy who's that fiery. <laughs> you bring up Pearl. That's right. There was so much love and and buttering up by ESPN. You almost forgot that he illegally had a, a recruit at his house and then lied about it, which, you know, was just amazing. Um, one of the best jobs you never hear about that. Never hear about Sean Payton being a, a scab quarterback back in the 80s. Right. I mean, it's just yeah. never talked about. They just move right on. Well, here's here's my question for you. Um, let's speculate. Where does he end up? Um, Kentucky. John Calipari's seat is maybe as hot as ever. Is he a fit? Does does Kentucky reach out? The guy wins, and they want to win at Kentucky. Could that be a possible destination? Oh, no question. I mean, I think that would be the one that we 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 would probably put out there the most. But I I don't know if Kentucky's going to come open because Cal is so you know it, it's he's got the lifetime contract, et cetera. Big buyout, but I, yeah. yeah, huge buyout. And Beard's you know, but I think Beard's going to find a spot that really would fit him. Obviously. He wants to be probably somewhere in the you know the, in the Midwest or West, and probably doesn't want to go East Coast. So uh, we'll see. I I don't know. I I think it depends on who, what comes open, and, and you never know because it's a domino effect. This job could open because this job comes through. So it's so hard to guess right now until we start seeing some openings. I'd have a hard time seeing Beard in the Big Ten. Um, I could see him somewhere else in the Big Twelve. What a great way if you're a uh, one of the up and coming programs trying to elevate in the big 12 to grab the former Texas coach. I mean, that is a beautiful move. Um, and I can see sec because they hired Pearl. So, I mean, I, I could see that happening. I would say that if Kentucky comes open and I don't know if anybody wants to write a $32 million check or whatever it's alleged to be, but if I'm Kentucky, I'm calling up Billy Donovan in Chicago and I'm saying, are you really happy up here and up in there? <laughs> Come down to the college level. If you can win two titles at Florida, think what you'll do here at Kentucky. <laughs> Back uh, on his Billy Donovan kick and never ends. There he goes. There he goes. Every opening, Tags goes, you know who I'd call? No, call we don't know. Who would you call? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what, though? Rest his soul. I, I want to do this because Mike Leach used to be my go-to guy because he was my he was. favorite. He and was. And rest his soul, he passed away. So I've got to take advantage of as many openings as possible. For there you go. Yeah, good for you. Hey, you know, there was an opening, uh, well, almost at Duke. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski filled it himself before he left with John Shire. And, and away we go. 
Um, but I think there are a lot of college basketball fans last weekend that felt that, well, this is just a little bit of karma. You know, Krzyzewski, um spent four decades berating and screaming and literally cursing everything you can think of and some made up variations of cuss words at referees <laughs> to bend the, you know, the game to his will and his way of thinking. So while you hate to hear that any refereeing mistake happened and the ACC admitted later that in that Virginia game, they made the wrong call that cost Duke a chance to win it in regulation. They go on to lose to Virginia uh, in Charlottesville in overtime. Um, but I think a bit of karma. And, and I think now Duke and John Shire and Duke nation feels gets a chance to feel the way that other college basketball programs and fans feel um, in terms of the refs, not calling things your way. Well, I mean, they, they get more breaks than about 350 of the college basketball teams, <laughs> exactly. 350 out of 353. So I, I would say that they, they shouldn't be too upset about one call, but I will say my biggest problem with that call is not that they what, officials miss calls all the time. This was a misapplication of the rule. Right. As a coach, I probably would have gone ballistic. No, I, I shouldn't say that. I would have gone ballistic because <laughs> judgment calls are something that you can kind of live with, but you can't live with somebody who doesn't know the rules of the game and misapplies the rules. That drives me insane. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm to the point where, you know, if you want to add a referee who sits at center court, and looks at the stuff, and if it's clearly, let, let me give you an example. If it was clearly not a goaltend, you could have a ref sitting there and just go, you know, hit a button, clock stops, other refs come over and say, bad call, and then just move on with the game. No 10-minute back and forth. Um, you know, t- there's got to be something to do when when you get into those moments. Um, refs are going to make mistakes, just like players are going to make mistakes, but the key is, is how much time does a team have to overcome those mistakes? And that leads us to Super Bowl 57, the third most watched Super Bowl ever chiefs over the Eagles. Uh, later, uh, Andy Reid saying that he will be back to coach the team uh, in 2023. As we're talking about referees though, how about the call in the fourth quarter? The Eagles defensive back called for holding later admits that he did hold uh, on that play that put the chiefs uh, within really just a chip shot and they kicked the field goal to win the game. Um, do you blame the ref for calling that in that situation when he did commit the foul? Yes. No, actually, I don't. I don't blame him for calling it in that situation if he had called it the entire game because there would have been about 30 holding penalties <laughs> in that game if they'd have called it every play. And I, I think that's where what bothers me. This The whole idea that you know, you'll say people say, well, you know, we got to let them play a little bit. Okay, that's fine. Then let them play. We can't call it at the end of a game to decide a game. And so that's my my problem with it. Because there were plays earlier in the game where, you know, they show replays, same thing, jersey tug, even a backhand, a hip grab, all these things, all those things that, now by definition, was that a penalty? Yeah, because he had held the jersey. It's penalty. But my problem is that it has to be called all the time. And we see this not just in football, but also basketball, especially at the collegiate level. You know, there's fouls, and they let fouls go, and then they call some. Well, you know, letting them play is fine, but eventually you have to call a foul, and then there's no consistency in the officiating, and that's when you get in trouble. There's no consistency, and guys don't learn how to play the way they need to play. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you. You know, it, it was a it was technically a foul. And Brad was right. It's, it was done at least 30 times that night. 
Um, but what was really the losers were the fans because if if Philadelphia had the ball with a minute 45 left and a timeout, or, or I can't remember they have no timeouts, but either way, for minute 45 and they've got to get a field goal, I don't know that they would do it. But, boy, it would have been fun to watch them try. And who knows, maybe it goes into overtime and we have what is now known as the greatest Super Bowl ever. Instead, somebody decides, you know, 30 times they decided not to pull that flag. And on that play, that means so much because it grants a first down and you see the clock and what that's going to do to any chance of a rally. That's when he decides to throw the flag. Mike, Mike, you're exactly right. We turned what was probably the greatest Super Bowl, perhaps, of could have been the greatest Super Bowl of all time at that point, and instead it became the most anticlimactic final two minutes of all time because it was just a matter, even when the guy ran, they let him go to the end zone, he stops, and then they take knees, and it's just, I, you know, I, which was smart. I'm not saying that Kansas City wasn't smart. They did the right thing because they won the game, and and, you know, I think they may have won the game anyway. I, but, I totally agree with that. But I, I, I really would have liked to seen Philadelphia have a shot to to win that game. With them, yeah, minute, I, and see it. Yeah, as they, as yeah. they come down, you're you're exactly right. So yeah, no question about that. Chiefs get the win. Mahomes MVP, and he adds to his uh, goat's resume. So we will see. Stay with us. More to come after this. When life isn't easy, you need healthcare that is. You need OSF On Call Urgent Care. With OSF On Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get Started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care. Nobody covers the Fighting Illini women's basketball team like IlliniGuys.com. More than once this season, the Illini guys have been the only Illinois media in the house. Post-game reports after every game, feature stories, recruiting updates, interviews, and exclusive one-on-ones with the Illini gal herself, sophomore star guard Adalia McKenzie. It's been an historic season for the Illini and head coach Shauna Green, and we're there every step of the way to the postseason and beyond. Sign up today at IlliniGuys.com. Happy to have Kedrick Prince. He's director of recruiting for IlliniGuys.com joining us now for a little basketball, college basketball discussion. Uh, gentlemen, three weeks to go until Selection Sunday. Let's start with the Big Ten. Uh, Brad, you were mentioning uh, earlier at a, during a commercial break as we were kind of discussing this segment. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we thought the Big Ten race was pretty much done, um, but not so fast. I mean, uh, you know, we produced it still has a fight here down the stretch. Yeah, they do. I mean, they've lost a couple of games that people expected them to win, perhaps. Or, And now you've got Indiana just two games back and Northwestern just two games back. I mean, as you look at this. So uh, you, you've got a chance for somebody to maybe catch them. And if somebody can, I think it's going to take Purdue struggling a little bit. But I think what you've seen from Purdue is the fact that they have freshman guards is starting to get, they're hitting that wall. And I think we've seen that with a lot of freshmen in the Big Ten right now. It's tough. It's a grind. And now you're you're struggling a little bit. And, you know, Zach Eady's still going to be great, but you have to have those guys around him. And I don't think anybody anticipated, you know, at this point in the season, if you were to take nine conference wins, eight, seven, and six, you would have 
11 of the 14 teams <laughs> in in that bubble where literally it almost feels like you're it's almost like one of those magic eight balls where you just shake it up and you see who's going to win that night it's hard to predict and these teams are so competitive the coaching is so good that if you don't bring your a game whether you're home or away you could be getting an l hung on you and that's why so many teams are in that big bubble of teams. Well, I'll be honest with you guys. I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching. You know, we've heard for the last four or five years, not just from, you know, from Tom Mizzo to Brad Underwood and Greg Gard, that, you know, you have to bring it every single day and every night because teams figure out what you do. And I know a lot of coaches in the Big Ten, I think they're kind of looking forward to the to the tournament because it is it is tough. And, you know, Brad, you mentioned, um, you're right, I think it's the, I think the freshman hit a wall, you know, I know there's one freshman who hit a wall early in the season, but I think it's coming on, it's Ty Rogers, I mean, he struggled early on, but like, you look at Jay Nepps, um, who I believe for his last four games is one for 20 from, from the three, so, you know, it, a lot of it could be coaching, but a lot of it could be just mediocre basketball, and I hope that's not the case heading into March. Well, and that's the thing that, you know, is it is it that the teams are mediocre or they're just so so uh, even right now? And I think that's the thing. It could really still be either. And we won't know until mid-March with this. I mean, the one thing we do know is that you're going to have probably eight or nine Big Ten teams uh, in there. Um, so we know Purdue, Indiana, look, Northwestern, if I had to vote right now, um, you know, probably either Painter or Collins is your, is your Big Ten coach of the year, right? Is there a team in that scrum in that two through eleven right now that you think um, could make a run? And and we've asked this question before. Boy, it is really a crapshoot because it we still don't really know, you know, who the top four or five teams are going to be come mid March. You know, it's interesting. I I do think that there are some teams that have talent. Like I believe that Illinois is a team that could beat anybody, and they've shown that they've already beat UCLA and Texas. But I also think they could probably lose in the first round. So that, them making a run in the NCAA tournament is questionable to me just on that regard. I, they could win a game, but if they could survive maybe two rounds and then they could pull an upset because they could do that. But I look at – I feel like Indiana's playing really well um, right now. I think, um, you know, obviously there's them. But Iowa's another team. Iowa gets hot. You know, we've seen they can lose to anybody, Eastern Illinois University, for example. But when they score, sometimes if you have an off-night shooting, you just can't beat them because they're so good offensively. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's another team that I really like making a run, but um, Maryland won't get to play at home, so that'll that'll hurt their chances. But, uh, you know, they're really good at home. But uh, So, yeah, I don't know. Those would be my teams, though. Yeah, the team that I've flipped on the most is um, Indiana. I thought they were overrated. I thought that the limitations of uh, Trace Jackson Davis in terms of uh, inability to shoot from outside of about eight feet was going to be uh, big for them. And yet all of a sudden he's picked up a half or three quarters of a step on his first dribble. And now he, he literally can go around point guards, it seems like, to take one or two dribbles and be at the basket. So that team is much more formidable than I anticipated. And Xavier Johnson isn't even back yet. The, the team that's really surprised me, I think there's one team right now, but if the tournament started today, um, other than Purdue that, I could, that we're going to run, I would probably say Northwestern. And I know that's a culture shock to a lot of people because we're not used to hearing that. 
but Northwestern is old. They defend really, really well. I, you know, I know numbers matter, but when you watch the game and how they play up the line and how they defend, they make scoring tough for anybody. You know, and they beat Purdue and they expose Purdue. I think in a, in a lot of ways, in a lot of areas. The other team I would think would be Indiana. Um, I think they're starting to gel, but that's not a surprise. I mean, you know, Indiana was picked to be in the top three or four to begin with, and. You know, uh, Mike, you mentioned as far as coach of the year. I mean, I got to be honest. I, it's Chris Collins to me. Nobody in the in their right mind thought Northwestern would be here except for the Northwestern fan base and, and the players. Illinois is a team. They didn't that, either, kid. They didn't think uh, that either. <laughs> it sounds good, though. It sounds good. <laughs> Illinois is a frustrating team because they have proven they can beat anybody. I think they're, they're shooting. I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, they're just not a great shooting team, but when they're hot, they can beat anybody, just like Iowa. Um, Iowa's a much better shooting team, obviously, but Illinois has the athleticism that can do well, but their shooting is, is a huge concern for me moving forward. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about Northwestern, too, is not only are their guards old, but they're big. We've seen other teams with good guards who are old, but they're all six foot, but when you get a six, four and a six, two guard, you can kind of guard the other team. And I think that Northwestern may be onto something there. If you can get old guards who have some size, you can do well. Mike, we're old and we have size. How come we don't do well? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, Brad, it's, it's, it's vertical, not <laughs> yeah. horizontal. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I know. You I, didn't, you wife, didn't say what kind of size. Mike. I know my, my wife, my wife uh, told me about that. And she says the, 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 the horizontal needs to thin up a little bit. <laughs> okay, I got you. I agree that uh, Northwestern could be that team. Look up in the second weekend, and they're there as a part of it for the first time. Um, and and Mike, I'm with you. I was I did, was not an Indiana believer. Sturdy kept saying, "No, no, they're 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 for real." Um, I'm a believer now. Indiana has played very well, and um, even when they lose, uh, they play well. And and the game against Michigan uh, last weekend was was entertaining. And Indiana, like a veteran team, just made the plays down the stretch to hold off and get that win in a hostile environment. Um, Mike Woodson's done a much better job than I uh, than I thought he could in just a couple of years there in Bloomington. Um, national scene, Big Twelve is even scarier um, than uh, than even the Big Ten. When you look at even last place Texas Tech that just beat Texas right a few nights ago. I mean, even they come through and and their resume is one that would be um, you know in the middle of the pack of the ACC as far as that goes. Um, we, we know Purdue, we know, uh, Alabama, we know Houston, uh, what's another team or two that you lo are looking to make a deep run. You think they have all the goods at this point uh, to make some noise in March. I'll tell you, you know, teams that have come kind of come on for me, Kansas, you, you look up and Kansas is right there at the big, near the top of the big 12. They are ranked fifth in the country. And, you know, Bill Self kind of has a track record for winning some games. I mean, he's gone away from being Bucknell and Bradley Bill to a guy that's won two national titles now. And so I think they're good. Marquette is a team that I don't know how good they really are, because but they're, they keep winning. And I, they're, they're really uh, – shock, what Shaka Smart's done is amazing, to be honest. So um, I like those teams. The other team that I like and is – I like St. Mary's too. St. Mary's is, I think, is a little bit underrated. I think they're going to be a team that gets a good seed, and they're not going to be a team you want to draw. I, I think they have a chance to make a an elite eight, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, and maybe make a little run there. 
Yeah, and I, I think Virginia is the team that I look at. They're very experienced, got some speed at guard, and probably the arguably the best defensive coach in the nation. Um, I, I think as they get down to crunch time, you know, in, in those NCAA games, I think that experience really starts to play a factor and they can, they can defend anybody. I'm going on West fellas. I really like UCLA. I like their guard play. I think they're old. I think they're experienced. Um, they've been, they've been good. They've been good off season. I mean, they really have been, I like what they have to offer. And I think another dangerous team is, is Arizona. I mean, I think that, you know, I think they're coming on. And a lot of people don't talk about the West Coast team because, quite frankly, you know, they're on late and a lot of people don't see them. And, you know, I happen to watch a lot of them. So I think if I had a sleeper team that, I mean, I guess you really can't say a sleeper because, you know, UCLA is, you know, ranked in the top 10 in the country. I just like what they had in Illinois. When they beat them, you know, it took a Superman performance from Terrence Shannon Jr. to do it. But I still like what they have to offer, just looking, you know, guard play and how tough they are and, you know, and defensively. And they have a tough coach who I think make great, great in-game adjustments. I think that stuff matters when it comes to tournament time and scouting. You know, and I think you're right that UCLA has kind of been overlooked a little bit because they did have the loss to Illinois early, as you mentioned. Um, They've come on strong lately. And to your point, they've got veteran guys um, who have been there before um, in Hawkes and Campbell. And, of course, uh, Mick Cronin did a great job in Cincinnati, has changed the mentality out there. They're a team to watch. There's no question about that. I like Brad's pick, too, with uh, St. Mary's. Okay, I want you guys to put on your, um, uh, your doctor's coat and your stethoscope, because uh, we're going to go into uh, exam room three over here. We've got two <coughs> that are, um, we've got two patients that are uh, really suffering from blue blood itis. And it looks like it's going to extend into March and they're going to actually have to be bedridden uh, during the NCAA tournament, Kentucky and North Carolina. Um, look, these two recruit as well as anybody. They've got the fan base. They get all the attention, probably get a whistle or two that they wouldn't get if their names were, you know, something else. Um, what is wrong with these two teams that right now, um, Carolina think it may be a slight edge, could it could get in, but most think that Kentucky would be out. Diagnose what's wrong with Kentucky and North Carolina. Well, North Carolina has the same problem, and I, I think I've said this about a hundred times on this show. North Carolina has the same problem they had last year. They were like they were in the eight-nine game. They were not a good team last year, all year long. They caught lightning in a bottle for five weeks because they got hot and things went their way. You know, um, they made some crazy shots that they don't, that are tough shots and, and they, you know, they won, uh, give them credit. They won five games, but they weren't that good. So to expect them to come back this year and suddenly be, you know, good again, I, I think was too much. I th- but everybody put them one because they finished second the year before. Right. So I, I don't think it's a surprise. They didn't really fit. They weren't cohesive a year ago. Kentucky, to me, is just a team that also does not have the guys that it needs at the right positions. They don't maybe fit well together. They're not a team that, you know, they went out and got some guys that, they took guys in the portal that other teams wouldn't take. Teams that are better than them and worse than them, you know, lower than them on the totem pole, but better than them. And they took those guys and they've been fine, but it tells you what they were doing. And I just was not impressed with what they did. Now they have great freshmen. They're really talented freshmen, but there's a big difference. But when you're relying on freshmen to make plays and um, people have kind of figured out how to guard Shibwe a little bit and how to neutralize him some, 
and it's changed. I mean, it's changed. They, they just, it's not as easy for them. So I, I don't think there's a fix for these guys. I think it's time for them to, you know, maybe we need to put them to sleep until next season as the yeah. veterinarian, as the doctor. That's an outside. Yeah. I, I think, I think uh, Kentucky's in an interesting place because I, I think maybe some of the uh, uh, people are figuring out that the emperor doesn't have any clothes. And I'm just not certain that Coach Calipari is as good of coach as the overwhelming talent has made him look over the years. And now when he doesn't have a couple upperclassmen maybe who, who are great leaders on those teams, you know, you have a bunch of young guys looking at one another and, you know, they're there for a year and they're just trying to get to the NBA and things start going poorly. Well, they, they really don't know how to react. And I don't know that Coach Cal – has the uh, has the coaching chops to get his guys through it. Um, I think a lot of his reputation was made on some fantastic players like Rose and AD. And Rose and AD aren't on the team this year. Well, I'm going to pull out the x-ray machine so I can get a really good clear picture here with this. My, the way I see it, I think that I think the NIL and teams have gotten better and passed them by is what I really think. Um, I mean, I think Cal's a decent coach. I mean, Shire, you know, we don't know yet because he's only been there a year, but I really think that if you look at the rest of college basketball, you know, when you're able to go out in the portal and you're able to get guys at all levels, I mean, because just think about it. I mean, those they've dominated. Both of those teams have dominated for years, and now you're able to go to go in the transfer portal. Let's just look at Illinois. I mean, you look at Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon. Illinois was able – they lost 80% of their scoring, and in one year they got two of the top five players in the transfer portal. So you look at the SEC and, you know, the ACC, they did the same thing. And when you're playing a lot of young guys, I don't care if they're five-star recruits or not, you know, you older guys are just more mature, and I think it's caught up with them. And if Kentucky and North Carolina want to become – a stay where they've been for, you know, the last 100 years, they better get in the NIL, but they better get guys that fit their system. I mean – one of you guys just mentioned that, that, that that's important. You can get guys, but if they don't buy in, if they don't fit what you need and what you're doing, I don't care how good they are, it's not going to work for you. And to your point, that uh, North Carolina second round game against Baylor, I think even went to it went down to the wire. I think went to overtime. Even um, yep. Baylor the one seed and that propelled eight seed North Carolina to go on uh, to the to the title game. Um, you get a call or two the other way, and that doesn't happen. And Baylor advances right as the as the defending champ. So. Um, you're exactly right. I think again, you know, I agree with Brad that and and what Mike was saying in terms of with with Kentucky right now, um, that no offense to any player on Kentucky's roster, but you brought a couple of of transfers in that ten years ago that would have been laughed at to do that with Kentucky. You're not, you know, and it's almost like if you don't have five five star guys with every class, then you can't win. That's what it feels like. And ever since Duke has joined this, uh, you know, the one and done parade. Um, you know, back about 10 years ago when Krzyzewski said, hey, wait a minute, we'll do that as well. Um, it seems like Duke gets more of those type of players where you've got a guy like uh, Jordan Shute, um, the kid from Illinois, the five-star shooting guard, sitting on the bench. It was a, you know, a high four-star, five-star guard. So uh, you're exactly right. All right, well, doctors, we appreciate your diagnosis, and um, we'll make sure that we call our insurance, have them pay the bill uh, and pay at least that portion. We'll, we'll leave our copay at the door. As long as I don't have to pay a deductible, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't want, to, don't want to have to pay that deductible. That's right. You're the doctor this time, Brad. It doesn't work that way. 
<laughs> I, hey, in healthcare, I figure everybody pays. <laughs> Brad's got that uh, Maybach. He's got it. He's got to take care of right. <laughs> that sports car. Um, isn't that it? Maybach is that what it is. Oh, mine's a Ferrari. I don't know what Ferrari. you guys have. Uh, Maserati. All right, there you go. Hey, uh, Kendrick Prince, AlanaGuys.com, Director of Recruiting. We appreciate you joining in the conversation, and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Uh, we'll see you. Much more to come after this. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and it's much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492. 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800 390 5160. 800 390 5160. That's 800 390 5160. This is David Williams, a leading receiver from the University of Illinois here on the Line Eye Guy on Sports Spectacular. Go, Line Eye. You know, some busy things around the Smith Center uh, this week, including uh, it looks like now, am, am I right in that the football coaching staff is now complete? Yeah, they. we think. I mean, we're, we're getting real close to spring ball here. That kind of needs to be. Um, it looks like basically unless the NCAA moves off of delaying the rule, there's still only going to be 10 assistants that are going to be allowed on the field, at least for spring ball. I don't know what's going to transpire come fall. But uh, it looks like they have their tenth assistant with with Robbie Dishler, the Robbie Disher. I'm sorry, the uh, the special teams coach and tight ends coach that will take over what was going to be, or what we all thought was going to be Ben Miller's role when he got back from cancer. Ben Miller is now essentially the I think they're calling him the head coach analyst, um, assistant to the head coach, off the field role. But he had a really big you know role in recruiting. Last year, he'll continue that as he continues his his battle with stage four colon cancer. Um, and then, you know, Robbie comes in you know, and I did the podcast with Cagley earlier this week. And, you know, his his resume precedes him in the sense of who the coaches he's worked for. And off the top of my head, Willie Fritz, Billy Napier, Kirby Smart. He's pretty good. The two time defending uh, national championship coach. And, and you know, Barry, you know, uh, Brett Bielema ha- you know, has wanted to take somebody who who is dynamic in that role. That he blocked six, he had six blocked punts in the year. I think it was 2017 when when he was working for Toledo under Jason Candle when they won the Mid American Conference. 
they, they, they want to be more dynamic and more aggressive in that regard. I think you'll see that um, with, with guys that are, that are going to be on special teams next year. And I also think that with, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a new tight end role with, you know, with, with guys, you know, they've, they've got Tanner Arkin coming in from Colorado state who they think is a pretty dynamic athlete and pass catcher. Um, and, and they, they just want that room to be more dynamic because if Brett Bielema's offense is going to take the next level, the tight end is going to have to be a big deal. Robbie Disher is going to have a big, big say in that as well. So I think that that's, that's a big time hire for somebody that they, they, they got off of a, a Tulane, Tulane staff, sorry, that did really, really well last year in, in getting the uh, G5 bid and then beating USC in the Cotton Bowl. And so I think Brett Bielema wanted to fill that role with somebody dynamic in personality, dynamic in recruiting, and I think he fit the bill um, in, in both regards. With uh, you know, Antoine or with uh, Terrence Jamison becoming defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator, how's, sure. how does the how does the role change for him and Aaron Henry? I don't know if it does. I think that Aaron's still going to call plays on Saturdays in the fall. But what I, what what people don't realize, and this isn't a dig on Ryan Walters. Ryan Walters got the Purdue gig because he was one of the best defensive coordinators in the country and led the number one defense in the country last year. Um, but it was a team effort. I mean, there was a group together with him and Brett Bielema and Andy Boo and Kevin Kane that all got together in this lab and put a game plan together every week on, on how to beat people. And if you watched the defense and, and you saw the film reviews I was doing each and every week, they would change something up from week to week. And it was almost NFL style in that regard of what they were doing, even though the play call sheet was was on a note card for Ryan Walters. I still think that's going to be the, the, the way that Aaron Henry wants to call defenses, and he will be the one that calls defenses. But JMO now gets the chance to be part of that, you know, group of people in that lab that are going to be designing that game plan each week. And it's a really smart thing because when you're bringing back potential All-Americans like Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and you guys like guys like Bryce Barnes coming in in that in that uh, in that unit um, aggressively, I, I think JMO has done a really good job of building what he has in that unit. And I think that he needs to be a voice in that game plan. And Brett Bielema recognizes that and gives him a new title potentially a new pay bump and more responsibility from week to week in the game plan. What, uh, what strengths does JMO bring into that role? You know, a lot of people don't get a chance to, to meet the coaches and get to know them the way you do. What, what is he going to bring in to uh, contribute to their success? The accountability that has been, has taken place. Um, I, I would call it quiet accountability. And, and what I mean by that is, is JMO is not a yeller and not a screamer and not a public, I'm going to embarrass you on national television type of guy, but he's a guy that can like whisper something in your ear and then you understand you're in the doghouse. And I think that that has been a big deal with Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph. You know, I, I call it treating them like adults and they've, they've, they've really grown and progressed under JMO, he's been a big advocate with Tank Wright in increasing what his what the bodies he wants to have on that defensive line and what they want to look like. Whether it's dropping weight or dropping you know calorie count or body fat percentage with Calvin Avery, which absolutely happened, or it's increasing it with with what you've seen out of the body of Keith Randolph when he arrived on campus playing for Lovey Smith to where he is now. And then you, you've seen the athletic ability of just using Johnny Newton's athletic ability in the middle of that defense. 
He's also been a big advocate of Bryce Barnes and, 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 and putting his arms around him in his room and making sure that he understands that he's going to have a pivotal role this, this coming fall as the guy that's going to come in for a Keith Randolph and a Johnny Newton when, when, they, when they need to come off the field. Because I think he, the one thing that JMO needs to do is, is build more depth in that room, especially in, in, the, the, in the rush end department um, not ex- and, and find, trying to find a new starter at defensive tackle, whether that's T-Rod Edwards, whether that's, you know, Rashawn Wilkins or somebody else, they need to build the depth of that unit. And I think that's going to be the thing that, that uh, JMO tries to do this spring before they ever hit fall camp in the August. Man, I've got about 30 seconds until we've sure. got a break here. Um, we're a long way off, six and a half, you know, months away from opening of, of you know, preseason camp. How optimistic are you with this team that they can reach their goals and get back into that seven, eight win conversation this coming year in another uh, bowl game? I'm rather optimistic in the sense of if you asked me this question last year, I thought they might be five and seven and be a better football team. I said that right here on the Illini, Illini uh, Guys Sports Spectacular. I think that they could be just as good this year and and, and I think have a, a similar record. But I'd also think that if they take the next step in, in certain ways, I think the quarterback play needs to be dynamic as, as Tommy DeVito brought that last year. Can Luke Altmyer deliver that this year? I think that if you want, if you, if the answer is yes, then you should be optimistic is, you know, center going to be handled by the end of the spring. I think that that's a major position that Brett Bielema's got to get locked down. And he has a lot of emphasis in that position on that offensive line. That's a, that's something that he has to figure out. And then there's guys that are going to get drafted in April um, that they need to replace. And I think that they have the guys in the room to do it. They just need to take that next step. Taz Nicholson needs to take that next step and now understand that he is the star corner now that Devin Witherspoon's not going to be there anymore. And then they need to figure out who's going to take over Sidney Brown's spot. They didn't really answer that question in the bowl game. They need, they have a lot more time now in spring and then in fall camp to answer that question because Sidney did a lot more things than people even realize in that back of that defense. And the way that he's been able to uh, progress in the last year and a half at an Illinois jersey, you're going to see him drafted higher than you would have ever thought come April in this draft. Matt Stevens, Guys.com football writer and analyst. We appreciate the knowledge. We'll talk with you next week. Not a problem. Have a good one, guys. Right, keep it here. All on the Illini Guys radio network. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation 303-957-3092 that's neon rain at 303-957-3092 or visit them at neonrain.com
11 a.m. tip-off Central Time on Saturday. It is Illinois at 14th-ranked Indiana. The Hoosiers coming off that upset loss at Northwestern. And the Wildcats, what a season, 10-5 and in second place all by themselves. Um, but, you know, Mike, after the another tough loss against a Penn State team that really just only just does not have any answers for this version of the Nittany Lions, right? Um, this becomes kind of really a, a must game if you want to kind of keep up and and take a shot at staying in the upper echelon, getting uh, that double bye come Big Ten tournament time. Yeah, and this is a big game for both teams. That's the that's the challenge you have is you know as well as I did that the Hoosiers went into Northwestern thinking they were going to win that game, um, got down by a tremendous amount, and then clawed their way back to make it a close game. But then Boo Booey um, really you know pulls Northwestern, I think, almost through a force of will uh, and, and gets a couple good baskets down down the stretch, and and Northwestern ekes out a victory. I, I tell you what, this uh, Indiana team is much better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis has added speed to and 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 some nifty ball handling to his repertoire. He still isn't a good shooter from distance, but he's a handful, and he passes so much better than he did last year that um, this Indiana team is going to be frustrated by a loss that they didn't anticipate. And the Illini are going to be doing the same thing. Who's going to come out more angry and who's going to come out with a sense of purpose to win this game? That's going to determine an awful lot, Larry. Well, and it may be big again in terms of when you get down to seeding. Both teams come in with six losses, Illinois eight and six, Indiana nine and six, Illinois half came back because of the Minnesota cancellation of the game. That'll be made up on Monday. Um, you, you know, you've got to get this win. You've got to figure out, look, Northwestern went in and, and double teamed Trace Jackson Davis uh, Wednesday night. Gee, imagine that. Um, and so you've got, if you're Illinois, you've got to try something different. Uh, Jackson Davis not only burns you, um, but I mean, he was 15 of 19 shooting in that Indiana win that was as at Champaign. This is the revenge week. The only two teams that have won in Champaign this year, they failed to uh, get revenge on Penn State. Now here's one. Um, again, the rivalry aside, again, the winner stays again in the hunt for um, a top four seed and a coveted double buy. It's one less game you've got to play in March. And so that's where it's huge. Again, 11 a.m. tip off of that game on ESPN. Now, the women have had the entire week off uh, since that loss um, at Maryland uh, back on Sunday. Um, they host Penn State uh, this coming Sunday at State Farm Center. But, you know, Mike, what a big honor for Shauna Green. Um, being named one of the top coaches in the country and deservedly show so for what she's done. Yeah, I mean, look, we thought maybe the Illini could get into double digits this year. Um, nobody was thinking that they would be doing the things they're doing. And the NCAA, um, it, it's it's really a testament to what a coach can do in one year. And And quite frankly, I didn't think this type of turnaround was possible. You know, I don't think any of us did. And really even talking with, you know, Adalia McKenzie, the Illini gal uh, each week, even she says, yeah, we we didn't see this coming. I mean, we obviously we were hopeful. We thought we could be better, uh, but they've got a shot at, at tripling last year's win total of, of only seven victories. Uh, already 19 wins heading into the weekend. Um, they've already, uh, you know, doing much better in the, the Big Ten as well. Uh, nine and six record. Uh, in Big Ten play. Um, and, you know, Illinois basketball, women's basketball, has only had two seasons in their entire history where they won 70% of their games. Well, right now, they've won 73% of their games. So they have a chance right now to 
you know, be one of the all-time great teams in program history in year one. And like you said, a team that's not very deep right now, relying on the same core players of last year with a couple of transfers coming in and with some pretty uh, nice uh, recruits uh, on their way in as well. This is going to be a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Um, and we should mention as well, big big game on Sunday. The other coach, arguably the the um, you know the greatest coach in Illini women's history, Teresa Grants. Uh, getting honored on Sunday as uh, and she uh, uh, deservedly so with Grins and what she has done in her career. You know what's amazing about her is you know when when she you know uh, stepped away, you didn't think it was going to take this long to get somebody who could finally fill her shoes. And it's it, it, as it goes in a lot of coaching, uh, many times you don't appreciate the really good coaches until they're gone. And then you look and you're like, well, I wish they were still around. Um, but it's fantastic to see her come back and get this honor in front of a, hopefully a really large crowd of uh, Illini faithful there to support her and the team. It'll be outstanding. Again, Shauna Green, we mentioned a moment ago, she's on the Naismith Women's Coach of the Year late season watch list. And, and again, on Sunday, it is uh, Teresa Grintz, um, once again, going to be here. You know, already going into the Hall of Fame earlier uh, for what she did at Illinois and at Rutgers. Um, and then now again, getting her honor as um, she will be, uh, I guess, her name in the Raptors, I guess, they're going to honor Grants um, and a game they've been looking forward to for quite a while right now. Welcome her back to Champaign-Urbana. This is going to be exciting. Uh, Hall of Fame banner ceremony for her. Uh, and again, the program's all-time wins leader, 12 seasons, as you mentioned, she was in Champaign. Uh, and those teams reaching postseason play 12, make that 10 of 12 seasons, including five NCAA uh, tournament trips as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. Lots to talk about here. Uh, stay with us. Much more to come here on the Alana Guys Sports Spectacular. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system system of 2022 and right now you can get vivens home security technology for about a dollar a day plus get free professional installation from a licensed technician protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day call right now for your free home security consultation 800-613-8053 800-613-8053 that's 800-613-8053 you're listening to the sports spectacular powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini guys radio network now let's get back to the studio well back to wrap things up and uh, some sad news in the nfl world conrad dobler the great offensive lineman passing away at age 72 um you know, many felt the three-time pro bowler was the you know dirtiest player in the NFL, right? I mean, he was, he was pretty bad, but um, you know, Mike, the thing we were reading um, that they're going to, his family is going to donate his brain to, uh, to study for a possible CTE and traumatic uh, brain injury. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting um, and, and tragic. You know, his daughter said that um, over the last five years, and, and of course he died at 72, that her, her father struggled increasingly with memory loss, decision-making and day-to-day activity. And, um, you know, back in those days, I don't know what the NFL knew, but you you look at those protective nature of those helmets back then, and I'm not certain that it was that protective other than 
for fractures. Um, and then you look at the drills and, that they did every day in practice and the contact, let alone what happened on game day. And boy, it has caused some some real heartbreak for a lot of um, veterans of that era. And that's just it, that era of the 70s, you know, when he played. And his son said, and uh, this is a, in USA Today, told them that he was, uh, Conrad Dobler, very proactive in in wanting to donate uh, his brain for future uh, players to try to uh, to help them. He really believed in that and felt that he probably did have CTE. So, um, again, we wish the Dobler family uh, uh, all the best as they search for answers with the effort of trying to help future uh, football players. Uh, speaking of the future, um, maybe is the NBA a part of NBC's future? You know, NBC willingly gave up the rights once upon a time, focused primarily on you know Olympic sports and golf. But now they said in 2024, they plan to be make an aggressive bid to get uh, the, the the basketball power league uh, back in on their uh, on their uh, their screens. Is that is that a, a lob at Bob Iger over at Disney, who is making rumblings about, you know, uh, ESPN having to be more cost conscious? And boy, is they're losing subscribers um, as people are cutting the cord. I don't think the. $5.99 or whatever component that you get for the Disney Hulu uh, ESPN bundle is going to pay the uh, cost that ESPN needs to survive. Interesting to see what's what's going to happen. I mean, they you know they, they believe that ABC and ESPN will also be very proactive. Um, obviously, Turner are playing a big role in NBA right now. You can't imagine them wanting to give their part of it up, but um, it's interesting. Uh, and that brings us to our final story of the show. And uh, I think men everywhere of all ages um, felt a little sad. Raquel Welch uh, passing away at age 82. Um, I don't know about you, probably the first woman as a kid that I just, she came on the screen and I just sat and just stared. Not really. Yeah, she was. <laughs> why? She was something was else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, was she, I just was staring. <laughs> I, 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 she was something else. And I, I was looking at some pictures of her as a young lady. And what was amazing to me is, is she transcends the style a, a, of the generations. And she looks like she could be a model today. And, and it was amazing. And I first found out about her by watching the Three Musketeers movie which I loved. And I didn't even know she was supposed to be a sex symbol because she was all up in all that 1700s clothing. So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> well, I remember her in the uh, bearskin bikini when I was a kid. And I guess I just, I just stared. I didn't know why. I didn't know why. <laughs> but, uh, uh, one of the great legends of our time, Raquel Welch. And again, we uh, uh, rest in peace and wish her family uh, all the best as they uh, uh, mourn her passing. And okay, on that note, another busy two hours has come and gone. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate uh, all of our guests who stopped in. Uh, getting close now to March and let the madness begin. For Brad and for Mike, I'm Larry. Thanks so much again for being with us. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you right back here, same place, next week. ILL. I and I. This I has been I. a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.